Hey guys, I'm Danny. And I'm EJ. And this is the Your Living Proof Podcast. Where we talk about addiction and how it affects the family, from the brutal to the beautiful and everything in between. Hey guys, welcome back to episode 21. He has to do it, you guys. He cannot. It gets me, gets me he going. He cannot gets help the juice himself. juices flowing. Yes. But um, we're really glad you're here with us today. It's a rainy, cold, freaking day. Sadness. Yeah. But we're going to make it good because we have lots of good stuff to talk That's about. That's right. And also... We need the rain. Just a shout out to all of our awesome listeners. You guys have been giving us great feedback and we're so grateful for it. We're grateful for you sharing our message and please continue to do so. Yeah, and go to the website if there's specific things you want to hear about or something we can share that might be helpful or beneficial. Anything. We're open to that. Yep, we'd love it. Also, if you are not signed up for our newsletter, do that. Like, do it today. Go to our website. You'll get a pop-up. Put in your email. We're doing lots of... Yeah, this of... isn't annoying spam email. Yeah, this is like real not... thoughtful, thought-out, like messages yep. that we can, you know, just little tidbits here and there that can help. And it applies to most everything. Really. Yes, it totally does. So if you are um, loving what we're doing here, please just make sure you are signed up for our newsletter. That is yourlivingproof.com. That's right. Y-O-U-R, livingproof.com. Um, you have to tell them what happened about okay, with our so son this Okay, so this week. is really, really funny. So our oldest son is 11, and he's in sixth grade. And I got like an email saying that he was having a meeting with the principal. And I was like, oh, man. We haven't even gotten to parent-teacher conferences yet. Coming up. And I'm like, okay, great. What is it? What is it? He gets in the car, I pick him up from school and he gets in the car and he's like, oh my gosh, mom. So I'm really excited about this. Can I show you something? And I'm like, yeah. He pulls out of his backpack. It's a petition. I'm like, oh dear, what's going on? He's like, well, I started a petition and I've gotten enough people to sign it that I got the principal's attention. And she grabbed me in the hallway today and she told me that she would really like to have a meeting with me. And I was like, oh, yeah, and this she didn't give exciting. any details in the email. Just wanted yeah, to let us know she was meeting with she's Dominic. Meeting with and, Dominic. Yeah. Okay. So I said, Well, what is the petition for? I'm thinking like, you know, they want like better food in the cafeteria at school. I don't know. Whatever. Yeah, but what sixth grader is even worrying about <laughs> petition? Especially <laughs> right? a boy. They don't even know what Yeah, like I'm going, what they don't have even know you if you put the same done. outfit on them three times in a row this week. Correct. So I'm thinking like they want more like four square balls or something. I don't know. But he says well, you know how like when you go to like a jazz game or you go to um, the airport, how when you go in the bathroom, there's like these walls in between the urinals. All, the dividers. I'm like, uh, I don't know about urinals and how they look <laughs> in the airport. I don't go in there. And he's like, oh, okay. Well, just picture this. When you go into a bathroom, you have a, a divide in between you and the next person, right? And I'm like, uh, yes. And he's like, well, in the bathroom at our school, that doesn't exist. It's just like you can just look at anyone and you can just see, you know, people's pickles. And I was like, oh, <laughs> I'm dying. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's too bad. So you're telling me like at your school, they it's don't like have dividers at your school. in between the urinals. He's like, yeah. And I think that that makes some people uncomfortable and I'm one of them. And I asked some of my friends and it makes them uncomfortable. So we want to get it changed. You know, it makes a lot of <laughs> sense because we went on a trip recently, took our kids to Disneyland and 
I saw Dominic when we'd go to the airport bathroom or in the yeah. amusement park. Uh, he was always looking. He was observing every time we went to these bathrooms. And I was like, what is he looking at? Like, what is he so curious <laughs> about? It all makes sense data. now. data. Yeah. So <laughs> this so, morning he woke up. Yeah. So this morning I'm getting him breakfast. I'm thinking he's like half asleep. Well, he kind of was. And he's like, oh, you know what? Oh, you know why I'm so tired? I'm like, why? Oh, because I couldn't sleep last night. Oh, I'm so sorry. Why? Because I was so excited. I have a meeting with the principal and the building supervisor today. <laughs> we were dying. We I'm were like, dying. only you, Dominic. So just so you know, when you see his name on the presidential ballot in like 15 years, vote for him. Yeah. I promise. There, He's month, been collecting months data. Months and months ago, there was a State <laughs> of the Union address. And I remember he was watching it with me intently. And he looks at me, Dad, and he says, Dad, how come half the room stands up and the other half stays seated? And I had to explain to him that there was this divide and half people agree and half don't. And his goal, he said, okay, dad, I'm going to be the first president that has the whole room stand up. So <laughs> I guess it starts with bathroom dividers. Yep. But so, hey, and if your school doesn't have it, you know, sign a petition. It could happen. We're making it happen at our school. No, we are. So I know the last couple episodes have been a little bit heavy. We've talked about some heavy topics, but that's where we live. That's where we thrive. That's where we chose to jump in head first and try to help. Today, we kind of want to share something a little more lighthearted, but also exciting. Yeah, it's great news. This week commemorates, I guess, the incredible life of someone. Yep. This person is Colin Karchner. We are Karchner. rapidly approaching. Yeah. Colin Karchner, and he founded an organization called Save the Kids, a foundation. He passed away, unfortunately, far too soon. But this foundation that he built before doing so is called Save the Kids. Some of you are probably familiar with it. If you live in the state of Utah by chance, if you drive on the freeways, you've probably seen billboards. But recently, um, those left their board for Save the Kids. We've joined up with them in an effort to help share a larger message, to reach a larger audience. Right. Um, to combine what he started and what Save the Kids Foundation is about and also combine it with Living Proof. And there's an incredible correlation between the two. Right. I, I just kind of want to rewind a little bit for anybody that doesn't know Colin Karchner founded save the kids and it's a nonprofit organization and what spurred him to do that was a friend of theirs had their child commit suicide at a very young age at the age of 21 and when he heard about this he asked the mother of this girl and said what happened and her response was well she pulled out of her pocket she pulled out her phone and said, I handed my child a loaded gun. And he was kind of like, what? And she said, you know, this phone took my daughter away from me. This phone is. Was the start of so many bad things. Of all of her issues and problems that led to her eventually um, committing suicide. It was interesting that the, the mother, when you, you know, when you hear him tell the story of how it all started, the mother called, described it as a loaded gun. Yeah. I mean, that. Was, I, it was really catching to me. Yeah. And so at that point, he immediately started advocating and, and really, well, he hey, really also just... to back up, what he did was he shared this message on his social media page. And at this point, he hadn't built the foundation or raised yeah, the, awareness for wasn't... Save the Kids. So he was just a normal average person like all of us. Well, he shared this message hoping it was just this one kid. And he was bombarded. He had 1,500 to 2,000 texts coming in a day on his own personal page from people everywhere. Yeah, all these direct messages from parents saying, oh, this is happening with my child. Or even just from, 
from the kids themselves, kids themselves saying this is happening to me or, Hey, my, my best friend committed suicide or attempted suicide recently. And so that really like was the driving force behind everything that he did, which he eventually and, and rather quickly started a foundation in which he was going to schools and churches and anywhere he could to share his message of, Hey guys, these phones, they are loaded guns. We've got to do better. We've got to do better as, as parents, and we've got to do better as kids knowing, hey, I can't dive in headfirst into this. I've got to be smarter. I've got to see this for what it is. He really was good at exposing the truth behind social media. and All and, the, the pressures that kids and feel the pressures, from right? everything, internet searches, all different social media platforms, and just everything they're exposed to immediately. Right. So, you know? And unfortunately... I followed Colin for years. I mean, from when he very first was getting started to all the way until he passed. And I loved every every bit of his work because it it was so passionate and so real and raw and needed. And, and applicable to our life. And exactly. And he gave so many. He had a podcast, which you can still access, by the way. It's the Colin Karchner podcast. And he would talk with kids, he would talk with parents, and he would make a lot of suggestions to parents on how can we... Yeah, tools and resources combat and that. He, I read like four books that he suggested. I mean, he just did an amazing job. So Danny and I several times had people when we were getting started with Living Proof saying, you know, you should reach out to Colin. You should work with Colin. Like, how can we make this happen? There's such a connection there. What you guys do is well. So we actually similar. had a mutual friend that we started emailing back and forth with, who kind of helped yeah. us, and we just never got to that meeting because unfortunately, he passed before. So, so it's been it's been really ironic and miraculous to see this relationship develop now still. Right. And I, I hope that's satisfying and rewarding and to him. You know, mm-hmm. our goal and there's others involved is just to help continue this message. Um, there's others who are now sharing this message as well. The real idea behind it was sharing the complete picture. And what do I mean by that? Well, what Colin was really aware of is the pressures that start at a young age, mm-hmm. right? When you hand your child this loaded gun, whatever age you decide to do it, and hopefully it's... 21. Oh my gosh, far farther down the road than most people are doing, which takes courage. He could see the implications and the impact it was having on young kids at such a young age. Well, my world is dealing with where that road ends, right? where exactly. all paths lead to. So he understood this critical, pivotal time in life where you come to a point, you have to change. Mm-hmm. You have to really become adaptable, able to play offense instead of defense, to be assertive, to be proactive. Otherwise, this will be the moment when you hand them a loaded gun and every single time it will end up in the world which I live in. Right. So the messages was awesome. Like, hey, here's this opportunity this time to change. Here, like my wife said, there's lots of different resources and things he'd offer. There were lots of books that they they shared that my wife purchased and we went through and we made a lot of changes Right. in the way we parent. In no, our truly, style. as a tribute to Colin, I'd just like to say he literally changed the way I parent. Yeah, and um, that we parent... Yeah. Even when we differ of opinion, it's just it, mutual. It's just a completely different perspective. Like Glow Kids, an amazing book. The Collapse of Parenting, an amazing book. Boys Adrift, an amazing book. All of those he was he talked about often. And and they can really help you as a parent see how when you don't maybe go against the grain a little bit, 
how you could go down a very dark road very quickly. Yeah. So you can go to our website, you know, reach out to us if you have any questions, but they are doing an event this week, a celebration of his life. Mm -hmm. It's his sister who's doing it. Yep. His Um, sister, Emily frame will be hosting an event. Um, and it's information's on her website as well as save the kids. Mm -hmm. And we'll link that, um, in the show notes too, if you, if you're interested in in attending, but we're just really super grateful to be a part of something that is really a prevention to what we are doing. And it's funny to say that, but I'm like, Danny, when he is talking to these audiences says, you know, I wish no one needed my help. (laughs) I wish I could help all of you understand how to avoid getting to this point where you need my help. No. And that's, that's one of the main reasons I love his message so much on my end when people are dealing with a loved one who is suffering from an, an addiction, I'm really good at what I do. But like you said, I hope, I wish more people could avoid getting to that point. Right. There are far too many. And so it's the analogy I said a long time ago. I was in an opioid symposium here in Utah, Salt Lake, with all these city officials. They asked a gentleman in the room. His name is Gary Fisher. He's the director of Cirque Lodge. He's in, he was one of the most instrumental people in my life at saving it. Right. Right. In my recovery. And they asked him to stand up. He's won all these awards and accolades for different achievements in the mental health industry. And they asked him, please give us a report. How are, how are we doing? How are these treatment centers doing? What kind of impact are we having? He stood up and said, Hey, all of these treatment centers are like burning buildings. They're on fire. The building is on fire. People are jumping out the window and we're going to be lucky if we can save a few. If we want to combat this and make a bigger dent in this massive problem, we have to teach and educate preventative yeah. measures. We've got to be on offense. And, then, and that's what Colin was doing, was taking a critical time in life and trying to be preventative so that your loved one or your life doesn't have to end tragically like so many. So. Right. It's cool because we put this message together recently. We actually went down to a, a big group in Central California just the other week and presented this at a multi-stake event, which was part of this church organization down there. And it was amazing. It was incredible. The, so fe- the feedback was amazing. I, I just want to share one little part of that. You know, here I was in a strange place. I didn't know anybody. It was an agricultural place with lots of farming and stuff. It was cool. But one of the church leaders that came up to me told me that their day job is a social worker. Mm-hmm. a social worker at the high school. And he said, Hey, the information that you just shared is what I deal with every day. I mean, this man is just, he's incredible. He's intelligent. He's educated. And he spends his time and energy as a social worker, helping young kids. Yeah. Young adults. At high school. What he shared with me was just so gut wrenching. He said, you know, seven, eight years ago, five years ago, and even further back, my job in- insisted of helping the dozen or two dozen kids within the high school that came from really broken homes, really tragic Mm -hmm. dynamics or situations. And they're going through some serious trauma and, you know, he would spend his time helping them. And then occasionally other people, he said, now he said, I'm booked out a month, two months down the road already. And I have literally met, and this is just during the school year to this point with over 30% of the student population who has told me one, I thought of suicide. I've attempted it. Or they are now self-medicating with other things to deal with the pressures. That's no joke. No. At the at the rate he's going, before school year's over, he will meet with everyone there. Right. Who has been affected. So this isn't just a problem in California. This is happening everywhere. So the message is awesome. It's a complete message. Today, we wanted to just kind of give you a few little snippets yeah. of things that are in that presentation that are literally just 
direct things that we've learned right. as parents, right? Right. That we've implemented. Uh huh. It's the coolest message because it, it's Colin's message combined with the living proof message, and it is powerful. I mean, it is. Well, it helps so awesome. because if you're already in a really bad situation, yep. There's you, tools and resources to help. If you're kind of at this pivotal point where your your family's growing up and you can start to see some yeah. alarming signs or patterns in your loved one, it's your opportunity to change. Yep, absolutely. You know? And it's a message for both adults and kids. Yeah. yeah. That's one one really part cool. in there is there's three little points we wanted to talk about that we share in there. And also, you know, I'll mention this at the end, but if you're listening to this and you have any sort of group of people that right. you govern or, or help with, whether it's at church or school or work. Yeah. And you want this message shared. It's incredible. It relates to everyone. It's not a gloomy message. It's a message of hope, but it's Definitely. also empowering because it's not a feel good message without tools and resources. There's legitimate resources and tools in there far beyond what we're sharing today that can help. So go to our website. If you want, you know, we, we would love to come out and share this message with with any group of people that's willing to hear it. Absolutely. It saves lives. Absolutely. And you can also um, email Liz at save the org, And I will all, I will link all of that in this episode. So yeah. So when, given that presentation, you know, this is a work in progress. There was a few aspects I feel like were just so powerful and everyone that was in attendance at this event had something to say about one of these three. Mm hmm. Three main points we just wanted to share today. There, there are several, but the three main points are one, we talk. Yeah. Right. It doesn't sound like rocket science, but I want to explain that in a little bit further detail. The second one is called the safe place. And we've mentioned this a while back in one of our first episodes. Mm -hmm. The third thing we wanted to talk about was called fearless parenting, what that really means. Yeah. So we talk is an aspect in this presentation that's powerful. I think, what did you call it? It's the dying breed. Oh yeah, it's it's on the endangered species endangered list. species list of parents is we talk because a lot of people say oh we talk we talk we have a good relationship we yeah. talk about things bull very few people have the type of relationship with their children or have created that environment where they really talk they talk about things right but the difficult things aren't talked about right and it's no one's fault it's not the parents' fault it's not the kids' fault it's just that hasn't been developed well. It's interesting how we live in this day and age where I remember when I used to be interested, if I wanted to know what a vagina was, mm -hmm. I remember specifically doing this. I heard the word, somebody said a different word, and then I figured out what it really was. I went into my dad's office. This is hilarious. Maybe some of you can relate. I went into his office, looked at the bookshelf, had to get a chair, and there were all these books they called encyclopedias. I looked at them. Yes. Is that what they were? And so it's like A through D, E through whatever M through L. So you go through and you're, first of all, you're looking at this bookshelf and you're trying to figure out which, how book, do I spell vagina? Yeah, which book do you need <laughs> to get this information? So then you're like, Oh, there's the book. And you pull this big book down, you open it up and then you have to, you have to go through and find it in the book, right? right. It requires effort. And it's just these words on paper, right? Your children now, when they're questioning anything, and I can promise you the things that they hear, even at church groups, sporting groups, school are alarming. Yep. So they want to know what this means. So that's why we talk is the most critical. It, it's the most critical. We talk about those things. We're the first ones to explain to our kids what masturbation is. We're the first ones to explain to our kids what same sex attraction is. Right. We're the first These ones are that, normal topics in our home. Porn is a normal topic. It's talked about. In our home. It, it's not the elephant in the room. It's not this 
difficult subject that's just shoved over in the corner and hope that no one right messes with. I'm telling you this because if you don't, and, and naturally, I think there's a lot of parents, even us included, we're yeah. old enough to be considered old school. We kind of followed the pattern our parents did and their parents did, Yep. which is, uh, maybe you should go talk to your bishop or your priest or, oh, you know, isn't there someone at school that's going to talk to you about that? You just ignore and hope they just don't ask the question anymore. Well, the days of getting a chair and pulling down encyclopedias are over. So they're either going to find out about it on a search engine on Google, TikTok, or some Yahoo at school. Well, and again, it's just about establishing the type of relationship in which any question can be asked and answered it in is. a way that is not alarming or and I shaming. Think some people get hung up on like having boundaries, right? Like, oh, I shouldn't talk about those. Yes, you should. Yes. We are in a day and age, there's no way of denying it, that if those answers don't come from you, think about the alternative. Right. Well, and, and it's also like, don't hold back information from your kids because you think you're doing them a favor, right? Like, well, I don't want to talk to them about it because I don't think they know about it. And then I don't want to bring it up because then, you know, then they'll really get curious. Nope. Don't, oh my don't gosh. go there. Yeah. Don't, do not. Don't go there. Because they will find out. They will and be you, exposed. And it would be the best thing ever if you were the first one that brought it up. And I cannot count how many dozens of times I've seen this dynamic unfold in a home. And I will promise you, it is far easier to have these difficult conversations. Even if you feel inadequate, uncertain, scared, or nervous, yep. it's much easier to have these conversations than it is to undo the damage caused by them seeing it, viewing it, or becoming addicted to it. Yep. Absolutely. A, and you know, I think this leads into our the second point I wanted to talk about yeah. today because also like, where do we talk about this? How, when, is it in front of the whole family? I, I don't know. Well, that leads into the second topic that we've mentioned before, but I want to really explain again. Which again was from Colin. Yes, Archstone. called the safe place. I actually used it this morning. Yep, you did. With one of our boys before school, we, we went there. So what is the safe place? The safe place is a specific couch in our bedroom and it can be anywhere in the home. We just decided that was a cool place. There's a little couch that sits by this nice window. You can see the mountains. It's in a room behind a door that can be shut. The safe place is a place exactly that, that's safe. You can go there and talk about anything. Our children can come home from school and take us there to explain something that they saw that they wish they didn't. Mm -hmm. Or someone that hurt them. Mm -hmm. The way that, that made them feel. Or maybe something they did wrong. They did bad and they feel bad and they want to tell us. Yeah. It's something we had to teach our kids how it works. And in the beginning, it's funny, right? Like my daughter used to pull me in there all the time and kind of hypnotize me with her cute little antics and sit down on my lap and have me put my arms around her. And then she'd say, Daddy, Roman took my candy. Yeah, will you to, take me to the gas station? He needs station? to be grounded. <laughs> and so she didn't really get it, but they've all learned over time what it is. And we have multiple times now where our kids know they take us in there. And when they yep. do, a couple things happen. First of all, one, they have our undivided attention. Yep. Two, they have some privacy. Three, they know there is nothing to fear. There will be no consequences, no yelling, no hard feelings in that moment. Right. Now, we all know there's going to be times, things that are shared that are going to require work. There's going to be some disciplinary things, but sure. that will come down the road. Right. This is a place where we can expose the enemy. We can let go of these secrets because it's a safe place and it really works and it works both ways. You know, I got really upset at my son yesterday for some things he had done and he got grounded 
And today I, I used the safe place and I invited him there mm-hmm. to sit him down and tell him how I've been concerned about the way he's been acting out and some certain things. I'm not perfect as a dad. I make mistakes and I just want to help. So I'm trying to figure out how to do that. And what was interesting is rather than having this in the kitchen or in the car or something yeah. where the other siblings are distracting, we able we were able to have a constructive conversation. Right. Oh, well, and, and it meant more to him. Yeah. Yeah. And the other thing that I love is this is not a just dad does it effort, right? There's no topics that I I would ever say, no, you need to go talk to your dad about that. I am equally involved in these same conversations about pornography, masturbation, same sex attraction, anything. They know that there isn't a topic that would be, that's an only dad topic or, you know, yep. or vice versa. Yeah. So, so if you're, if you're fortunate enough to have a home with, Two people trying their hardest to parent. You got to have the full, it's yeah. a full court press Absolutely. from both sides. Yep. So the third aspect of this presentation that we've done now with Save the Kids is about fearless parenting. It's, it or is. Fear, fearless youth. Fearless youth, fearless parenting, either one. It's, it's something that I've seen over and over and over again. There's so many aspects to it. It's fearless parenting is quite frankly, understanding that you are going to have to do better than you saw your parents do. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to do things different. You are going to have to get out of your comfort zone. It's the things we talked about. You're going to have to discuss these difficult subjects, topics, be able to have the courage to do those, to confront them, to not bury your head in the sand and pray that they go away. Well, and also not tell yourself, well, this is just how it is now. Yeah, that is That's incorrect. not acceptable. An example I shared down at this event in California is... You know, my wife and I, during 2020, I mean, everyone was having challenges, right? But we're following the things that Save the Kids and Colin Karchner are sharing. We're looking at our own life. We're we're evaluating several aspects. We're all trying to tread water at this point because it was a tough year. Homeschool. Yeah, my wife and I noticed. Oh, my gosh, we could go on and on, right? Toilet paper. But (laughs) we're trying to figure out. Are, you know, are we still parenting and doing what we're supposed to? And we noticed our kids were spending more and more time on screens. Yeah, like because any. their schools made them. Yeah. That was like how they did school. So they're school. doing school on their screen. Everything's virtual. Everything's, you know, virtual meetings. But then it was like, learning. okay, we need you out of our hair. Here's a screen. Yeah. We noticed there was a problem, right? And I think every one of us in our life have noticed there's a problem. There's probably a big problem in every home. However, we looked at it and we said, okay, this isn't right. We don't like this. Neither of us live like this. We want our kids to live right outside of this digital realm. So we sat back and we did something fearless as parents. We sat our kids down one day, blindsided them. Really, if we could go back, we probably would have done that different. <laughs> yeah. But we sat them down and we told them, hey, kids, we're going to make some changes in it our was family. cold turkey. Yeah, we're going to make some changes in our life as a family. We're going to make sacrifices. But I drove home the fact that by making these sacrifices, there would be reward and blessings. Yep. At their age, that's a bunch of nonsense, right? Yeah, they're like, We can think that far in front of their... So (laughs) we told them, hey, we're taking away the gaming consoles and iPads. We will keep the television so we can watch certain shows. The family, we're not going to be that crazy. It was bad. It was bad. Uh I mean, at the point, that point, my boys were 10 and 7. Yeah. And, you know, our daughter's irrelevant. She doesn't even look at screens. She's just crafts. She goes around. Yeah, she's a crafter. Cutting and drawing and arting and making tea parties. (laughs) And thankfully, she hasn't entered that world yet. Um, she doesn't even know what to do with, with the screen yeah. to hand it to her, but the boys were using profanity. Uh-huh. They were mad. They were my dead. youngest son told me to go to hell and I was, 
We were I undeniably mean, the worst parents that ever, ever, oh, ever so lived. Their mom was kind of forgiven after about two days, but they didn't talk to me for a week. So two weeks went by, and during that time, we actually were doing a lot behind the scenes. So a few years back, I had... You know, I had turned 40. He had, had a midlife a, crisis. Guys. had a hip replacement. I was, uh, I was tripping. Like, I was like, I'm dying. I'm, it's over. And I went and bought this nice soft tail slim classic Harley Davidson. And it was beautiful. Did you hear how he talked about it? Oof. The whole <laughs> mood changed. He, he loves it. Soft tail slim. But anyway, That's it was true. beautiful Harley. Um, I loved it. I enjoyed it. It gave me some much needed support at a time that was difficult in my life. Well, anyway, <laughs> I realized over time I wasn't riding it as much and it sat there a lot. So I wanted to make a sacrifice and show to he my put kids. some skin in the game. I sold the bike. I sold my Harley and you know, Harley's they're not cheap. So I had a little bit of money from the sale to Harley and I bought both my boys, these dirt bikes and I had enough left over to get me one. And then all of a sudden mom didn't want to be left out. So we bought her obviously, one too. Obviously. Yes. There was a day they came home from school. We sat them down. Still, they're not talking to me. They're talking to their mom, maybe because she just feeds them, but they were not talking to me. <laughs> and so I said, you guys, food. listen, I know you're upset. I know this has been hard. I know you guys have made a big sacrifice. We walked them out to the barn or the garage, sorry, on the side of the house. And we opened the garage door and sitting in there. It's these, a barn for my alpacas. Yes. Sitting in there were these <laughs> two motorcycles and they dropped to the floor. I mean, it was like Christmas on steroids. They were so emotional. They were so excited, but also they were crying. And I, I soon realized because they grabbed me and hugged me and said, I'm sorry. Yeah, they felt bad. They felt bad. I mean, for the things they'd been saying and how angry they were with me. And that's okay. Because the whole time I, I knew what was going to happen. I can tell you that that decision was was a game changer. And it was fearless parenting. Yeah. It was difficult. We were not our kids' friends. Mm -mm. Like, they did not mm -mm. like us. Mm -mm. It, it, was, it was a very difficult time in our life. Was, I won't forget those two weeks. But the results of doing that have been far better than we ever imagined. Yeah. We got them in this little motocross league. Dear friends of ours helped introduce us to our kids were terrified. They went into this motocross league. It was a scary thing. It's intimidating. If you've ever been a part of it or ever been on a bike on a track with tons of other people, it's, it's terrifying. Well, over time they built confidence. Yeah. They felt strong. It they, was something they did together. They did it together. Really cool. And then not only that, but it also forced me to carve out more time. Well, both of us to spend with them. Yeah going and riding these. So that's just one example of fearless parenting, but fearless parenting is not just making your kids satisfied. It's not doing what you need to, because they make you feel bad about it mm -hmm. because everyone else is doing it. Right. That was where our parents got steamrolled when we were younger. Well, all my friends are doing it. Yeah. Nowadays, if you're falling victim to that, that's not fearless parenting. No, that's just giving in, waving the white flag and handing your child a loaded weapon. Well, and, also, you know, dirt bikes are awesome, but you can't do it all day, every day. <laughs> can't do it in the winter. And so, you know, there was time where there was resentments coming back yeah, come at back. us. Yep. And we would, we would just confront them. Yep. This is different. I know it's not as fun, but let's, let's brainstorm on different what ways. What, what can we do? And they got very creative and it's actually been really, really, really cool to see all the good that has come from that. And again, it's something that worked for our family, but every family is going to have a different way of looking at it. But there is no way you're not going to win but the, at that. Yeah. The fearless aspect is taking time to step, look back and evaluate yourself. Yep. Right. The fearless parenting aspect is making those unpopular choices and decisions. Yep. 
even if you're going to become public enemy number one. Yeah, like I was and you are. And, you were. and the aspect for the youth or for the kids on this is truly, guess what? You are going to be the only one with a flip phone or whatever. And maybe you're going to have to be way different than maybe some of your older siblings were. And that's okay. Maybe you're going to have to have the courage while your parents change to be the one who op- who comes up to them and says, yeah. hey, can we go to the safe place? I want to tell you something. Yeah. So, Or will you do this with me? Where most because... kids are getting their answers, like we mentioned earlier, is on Google or on TikTok or one of their friends at school. If you want to be one of the youth who's fearless, you need to give your parents a chance. Even if you talk about stuff and, and the words they use, right? Right. <laughs> the jargon or the, yeah. the the words they use are make you laugh because they're so old school like us. It's okay. Yeah. I can promise you that they'll know more about these topics and situations than yeah. anyone your age. Because yep. they, believe it or not, have had some experience. Those three things we just went yeah. through are just a... A, a fraction few, of know. what the presentation but is. But really what the guts of this presentation are shedding light on what Colin Karchner. You know what's interesting is in our presentation, I just wanted to share one last thing. He gave a TED Talk in Salt Lake. Oh, you it's need to viewed, look it up. It's been viewed Again, a lot. I will link that. Okay, It is it, such a good TED Talk. But it was done in 2018. Mm-hmm. And he describes one of his closing things was, we are in the midst of an epidemic. And I think it's very <laughs> incredible that the word he used, epidemic, right? In 2018, it had a significantly different impact or meaning to me personally, and I think anyone, than it does now. Mm-hmm. We've used that word a lot more now. We understand that word a lot more now. It's been shoved in our face. So here he was talking about this epidemic in 2018, and here we are, 2021, significantly worse, yep. with 10 times the problems, pressures, and threats to all of us. And yet it was a problem big enough before that not Colin alone, but all the medical experts, psychiatrists, psychologists, doctors that he had met with were finally discovering yeah, this real saying, epidemic. This is a huge problem. So this, the message behind this story is drawing light on this pivotal time in life. When changes occur in a family dynamic, your kids are going to be exposed to certain things. You have to be aware of how to handle those. Mm-hmm. If not... I'm going to give you lots of examples of how and where this ends up. Yep. I can tell you it's, it, it's still possible, but it's far more difficult and damage has been done. Mm-hmm. Sometimes irreversible damage to the family is done. So it is a powerful message. It really sheds light on being preventative. And then it also uses where all roads lead to Yeah. as a shining light of how important this time of being preventative is. Yeah. There's nothing like having somebody who, spent time behind bars and almost died from a drug addiction, standing up to a group of kids and parents saying, hey, (laughs) I know what got me here and I know how to avoid it. And it, I I just have to say, Colin Karchner is truly one of my heroes. He, He was, he always will be. I'm so grateful for the work that he did. I am a huge fan of Save the Kids. And I think what we're trying to do with Living Proof is save the family. And we have to be able to work together as as adults and community and children to be able to do that. And we do it on both ends. We do it at prevention and we do it at when when the rubber hits the road and you are gone someplace you don't know how to get out of, there is help. There is a way out. It's going to take a lot of work, but 
there are resources to support you if you have a child or you yourself have been sucked into this and are depressed and have self-medicated and are lost. And there is a way out. There's so much hope and there's so many resources. But again, you know, we mentioned this earlier. If this is a, some, a message that hits home and you see the need of it for a group of people that you're with, yep. Yep. you can reach out to us and we can come help share the message, schedule a time Absolutely. to give you this presentation. There's a lot more to it than we've mentioned today, but it's, it's really, truly an inspiring message that applies to every one of us. Amen. So your assignment is to go listen to Colin's, yes, his podcast, also his TED Talk. Both will be linked in the show notes. And follow Save the Kids on Instagram. And if you haven't shared our podcast with anybody, do it today. Yeah, we hope you do. We hope that in the future also that we're going to get some clips or maybe the presentation and yes. link it on our website so we that will. you can see it check it out and share it with other people. But we hope you make this week an awesome one. And we're so grateful you tuned in for another yes. episode of the Thanks Your for Living being Proof with us. podcast. We love you guys. Mm-hmm.